Hello and welcome to Code Completion. Dimitri here, and due to a variety of reasons, we've decided to kick off a few one-off episodes we'll release every now and then over the next few months that go over our own backgrounds and ambitions, including some choice questions from my other co-hosts. So since it's just me today, Complete the Code and Compiler Error will be back next week. Uh, before we get started, to this week's episode is brought to you once again by Fernando's new book, From Junior to Senior, Practical iOS Style Guide. Over the past 10 years, Fernando has helped people get positions at Apple, startups in Silicon Valley, and other companies all around the world. There's literally dozens of people Fernando's men- mentored through different programs, and he's seen it time and time again. After you learn the basics of programming, you slow down because learning through experience is demanding and painful. In the book, he's taken all the bits of information missing from tutorials that he constantly teaches rising programmers, and he's written them down to help you overcome your tutorial hell stage faster. This book contains rules you can immediately apply to your own coding habits to dramatically improve, code from published apps that we will refactor and improve with these rules, and applied programming fundamentals. Encapsulation is not just a concept, you can see it in your code. Thanks again to Fernando and From Junior to Senior for sponsoring Code Completion. Go to twitter.com slash fromjuniortosenior, that's twitter.com slash f-r-o-m-j-r-t-o-s-r today to learn more. So I wanted to go through a variety of topics, um, the first being how I got into development. So uh, this started very early on in uh, my life because I uh, grew up in the 90s around computers, specifically Macs. Uh, so my mom was a graphic designer, uh, and she always had the latest Mac that was available at the time. And being in the 90s, these were like not the iMacs that we know of today. Uh, these were the Quadras and the Performas and all the fun uh, computers that most people did not have. So my choice of uh, entertainment at home on a computer was messing around with like Adobe Illustrator 1.0 uh, and uh, apps like that. So... Uh, that's kind of what I did on a computer. I never really had the chance to play games. Uh, so computers were always a work thing, something that you needed to like concentrate on, uh, and get something done. Uh, and then afterwards you go and play on something else. Uh, so, uh, my mom was a graphic designer. I kind of learned a lot about, uh, like using computers directly from that. My dad was a construction contractor, so he was the opposite. He never once touched the computer until I was like 16. Uh, And I I still remember to this day um, him looking at the keyboard and being like, where is this F and H? Uh, Trying to type out an email uh, for the first time. Um, So like he was the complete opposite, never touched the computer, but was creative in a different way of solving problems and building things. So uh I will be the first to tell you I, I was very fortunate uh, to kind of grow up in these kinds of conditions because it's kind of perfect if your future goal is to get into computers uh, and do development uh, in the future. Now, that said, that was never that was not my goal early on. I kind of saw computers as fun. Uh, I, I have no idea what my ambitions were uh, when I was that age. Uh, but over time, I got better at using computers because I was curious and I liked breaking things. Uh, so, uh, there were many a hard disk that, uh, were no longer relevant and it's like a four megabyte hard drive, uh, the size of, uh, several books stacked on top of each other. Uh, I would have fun taking those apart and seeing how they worked and, uh, never succeeding at putting them back together. So, um, 
that's kind of like what I grew up uh, messing around with and doing. Um, and where I did grow up, there were not a lot of other kids in the neighborhood. So I've never really had a chance to go out and have fun in that way. So I kind of uh, spent a lot of time taking apart old computers, never really putting them back together uh, or never really being successful at putting them back together, I should say. Um, one day I, I did go to this thing called the library, uh, where you can borrow books for free. It's a fantastic concept if you've never heard of it. Uh, and there was a Perl book that would teach you the Perl programming language. Uh, and like, I didn't know that you could build your own software. Like that was, I thought someone at Adobe, uh, designed Illustrator by thinking up every single drawing that was possible and then cramming it in a piece of software, which is silly. Uh, when you think about it now, but that's how I thought Illustrator worked. It just kind of picked from all the possibilities that it was pre-programmed to kind of give you. I didn't really know how the whole uh, development uh, worked under the hood. So this Perl book kind of opened my eyes and let me try being a programmer for the very first time. So I must have been like eight or nine at the time. Uh, and this book uh, had code samples that were several page long, pages long, and you would type them out and try to give them a go. That said, I was on a Mac, uh, and it's not like there were instructions in the book for how to do this on a Mac. Uh, so I typed everything out in a text editor, uh, and I didn't really know what to do next. Um, I remember asking my mom, can you double check this to see if I got every uh, character the way it was supposed to go? Um, and... Uh, it took several tries to kind of get that uh, up and going, but I eventually did start to learn the basics of programming through uh, Perl, and I would set up, uh, I think if I remember correctly, it was a hangman game uh, that was kind of backed by a little website, uh, so it built up some HTML to put a little hangman character on screen and had you guess letters one at a time, and then it would call uh, the CGI uh, code that you have running in your little server instance that you set up, uh, and it would kind of uh, go through that process. Um, so growing up in Hollywood, whenever I said CGI, everyone always assumed, oh, you're learning all those uh, uh, fancy movie um, special effects and things. And I'm like, I don't know what CGI you're talking about, but my CGI is running Perl on a backend because that's kind of all I knew. Um, and that being my first like real foray into pro foray into programming, I kind of learned a lot about uh, setting up uh, a piece of software for the first time. So I started with the example that was in that book, and then I slowly stapled on features to it uh, because I didn't really know how to program. I just knew how to program one thing uh, and kind of added to that. So that was kind of my introduction to programming, and I spent many years after that kind of iterating on that. So I learned about Perl, I learned about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, and all of these things were very new at the time. So uh, if you wanted to get into web development, you had to make things work on uh, the brand new IE6. And it was a pleasure to get things working on IE6 uh, because that was the newest browser at the time. Um, even though a few years later, that would be uh, the hardest browser to get working because everyone was still running IE6, even though you wanted to use fancier newer technologies. So uh, going from there, uh, that allowed me to make software, but it didn't really scratch my itch uh, in terms of being able to make software that like ran on your uh, computer. Uh, so like you can make a website and it would work and that was neat, but it wasn't like everything about software development. So 
uh, I didn't really know uh, where that would lead me to next. The fact that I got through a book, like the whole Pearl book uh, in its entirety was quite surprising because at the time, uh, me uh, being not the best of students, uh, had probably never read a book in its entirety uh, up until then. Uh, so I always finagled my way out of uh, reading because I could never get through uh, any amount of pages of a real book. I guess my imagination got the best of me or uh, I just couldn't read. Uh, one of those two. Uh, but programming books, I guess they didn't have that much to imagine and just kind of give you instructions one line at a time. Uh, I somehow got through. So uh, I would say the programming books were probably my saving grace in terms of uh, learning how to read because I probably wouldn't have had any other experience uh, all the way through high school if not for them. Now, uh, this all kind of continued slowly. I learned more about computers and stuff until Mac OS X came out. Um, and these were the early betas CDs of Mac OS X. So uh, your computer that you bought from Apple would still come with Mac OS 9, but you'd get a CD that said, here's a preview of the next generation operating system. Uh, and we played around with those. We kind of went back and forth, gave it a try, saw what worked and what didn't. Um, but it wasn't until like one or two years after that that I discovered that on one of those CDs was a set of software called Project Builder and Interface Builder, um, where you could go ahead and start designing like a real application that would run on the computer directly. Uh, so I kind of uh, started messing around one day when I was bored during summer vacation using this interface builder thing. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. You can just drag a window and then drag buttons onto that window and drag and drop and build out a, an interface. Now, I didn't know there was no Xcode yet. That, that was a year uh, a year away. Uh, it was Project Builder, and I didn't know what Project Builder was. I just kind of was digging around this uh, DVD, and there was Interface Builder on there. And I was like, this is cool. This is all I need. And it was kind of surprising how much you could get working with just Interface Builder. You can right-click and drag and drop between elements to connect them. So a slider could directly influence uh, a text field, and you can see the value in that, inside that text field. Uh, so you can get quite far with just that. Uh, and that was always... Uh, very cool, uh, but it didn't. I didn't know like what next steps to take. Uh, so I remember after that summer, uh, I kind of went to a bookstore and, uh, and went straight to the programming uh, alley uh, that I aisle that I got very familiar with, uh, and I looked for any books on Mac OS X development. And lo and behold, I found like the programming with Cocoa book uh, that kind of outlined how to use Objective-C to kind of build uh, real-life applications. I was like, this is awesome. So I got that book. I went through a few chapters and full of enthusiasm. I was like, okay, I'm going to write my first app. Uh, and I wanted to make a silly calculator just to kind of see what I was capable of. Uh, so I had two text fields uh, next to each other with a plus label in, in between and then a button that said equals. Uh, and I could never get it to compile because... If you know anything about Objective C development, uh, if you get a if you get a number from a text field, it's going to be an NS number, and you can't just add two NS numbers uh, uh, to each other. Uh, it's just not going to work, and they probably were even strings. Like I, I really don't know what I was thinking at the time, uh, but I was not successful. So uh, if you are just getting started at development, it took me many many years to be successful as a developer. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, throughout most of that process. Uh, so if, if there's anything from the story that you can take away is that 
Uh, if you understand anything at the stage that you are at, you are way ahead of me uh, because it took me the better part of a of a decade to kind of figure all this stuff out um, because I guess I was just slow at it. Um, but I didn't really have anyone helping me either. I was kind of all alone uh, in my endeavor. Um, and to be clear, I never thought this would ever take off uh, in terms of like employment or anything. I always thought I would uh, just take over my dad's contracting business and become a general contractor. Uh, that's kind of what I thought uh, I would have ahead of uh, me at that point. Now, of course, I practiced at it. I got better at it. Uh, I started making little things. Uh, and uh, I remember, uh, I think it was macOS 10.5, so Lion, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. Uh, that was the release that had uh, Layer Kit, better known as Core Animation, uh, come out. So this was still before the iPhone. Um, and I remember I watched the WWDC uh, uh, keynote because the videos were available only to only via DVD or VHS uh, to uh, ADC select members, which I was not. I was a kid. Uh, so uh, I somehow managed to get the beta for that, installed it on my mom's uh, computer when she wasn't paying attention. Uh, and there I had Carnimation to play with. And I was like, this is really neat. You can make animations and uh, present different things on screen and be super fluid uh, and have all that work really well together. Uh, and I kind of uh, started making a lot of things uh, with that. So around the same time, I was also getting uh, really into Japanese culture. So there was a podcast I was listening to called Japanese Pod 101. Uh, and it was kind of like a daily 10-minute podcast that kind of went over a small amount of the Japanese language. Uh, so I was a really uh, avid fan of that podcast. So I decided, let me make an app that allowed you to subscribe to that podcast and listen to the episodes and see the show notes and all that. Something a little better than iTunes uh, that was specific for that podcast. So I put that together and uh, I got to know the people uh, behind the podcast and that opened all sorts of doors uh, in that process. Uh, so uh, I'm not saying it would go the same way if anyone else were to try this today, but definitely do reach out to uh, smaller creators, people that you... Um, I don't want to say cherish, but uh, people that you look up to um, and see if they, if you can build something that works well with what they're building. So it's not necessarily making something for them, but it's making something with them um, along those same lines. So I built that app. I got to know the people behind uh, that podcast. Um, and thanks to that, much later on, I was able to go to Japan and uh, meet them and learn all sorts of fun things. So uh, definitely worth it uh, and to that capacity uh, to get to know people because that opens doors in general. Now, uh, as, as I built that, uh, I got better at development. Like I built my first real app and I started building other apps that I never really finished, of course. But something really important was announced a few years later and that was the iPhone. So the iPhone is completely built on top of core animation and it allowed you to build a user interface that was very fluid, um, but constrained to that small device size and slower computer because it was not a full-fledged uh, Mac at the time. I know it's kind of silly nowadays uh, to think of an iPhone as being slower than a Mac, uh, but that was one day uh, the case. Uh, so it's severely constrained. Um, not to mention in Objective-C, you didn't have Arc yet, so you had to manually manage memory 
Um, and if you were not good at development, you were uh, bound to do that improperly, which I uh, certainly was. Um, but uh, at the time, I was kind of avid about chemistry. That was one of the few subjects that I did well uh, with in school. So I wanted to build a periodic table for the iPhone. And as it uh, happened, Apple had some sample code that was called the elements or something. Uh, and it was a table view that kind of showed you all the elements. Uh, and that kind of uh, was my initial inspiration. So I was like, okay, like there's a sample code. I can kind of learn from it on how to make uh, a basic listing of data. Um, but I would still need to build out a periodic table, maybe some graphs that you can organize. So uh, that was my challenge. The initial name of my periodic table app was called Periods because uh, the elements are periodic. Uh, needless to say, that was a very poor choice in naming, uh, but the iPhone didn't come out yet, so I never actually shipped with that name. Um, I did, however, not owning an iPhone myself, uh, meet a lot of people that were interested in testing this on their iPhones that they put uh, the beta on, um, because before the uh, App Store was a thing, you could go ahead and test things out uh, for development. So I ended up meeting a lot of people uh, because of my poor naming choice uh, and reaching out to uh, the unofficial Apple weblog saying I'm working on a periodic table app and other people were able to test it. So uh, I was able to rapidly improve uh, on uh, the app I was making and uh, even though the interface was super cruddy at the time and had uh, uh, a ton of like visual glitches and things, I was able to slowly put something together. Uh, and one day, I think one of my beta testers said... Uh, these uh, tiles that you have on the periodic table, they kind of remind me of mints, so wouldn't Elements be such a good name? And I was like, that is perfect. Uh, so that became the name of my very first app. Uh, now, it didn't launch right when the apps were launched. It launched a few uh, weeks or months uh, later, I think on October or something. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but uh, it was that first year of iPhone OS 2 um, when the iPhone 3G just came out. So I launched my app. Uh, I did not... I don't think I owned an iPhone yet, uh, so uh, I got an iPhone soon after that. I remember my mom saying, "Oh, it'd be like I'll be so proud of you if your app makes uh, or sells two copies." Um, and I, I think I set it at five dollars uh, to download uh, and buy. So I was very surprised when I learned that in the first day it sold a few more than two copies, and. Uh, during the first few months, uh, Apple had actually featured it because I was continuously improving it, making it not look as hideous, uh, and learning through that process of how to make a well-designed uh, app. Uh, and Apple actually featured it. And back then on the App Store, a feature was uh, the main screen of the App Store and your app was just there for a week. Uh, so needless to say, that um, brought in a lot of downloads, uh, way more than I, uh, 16 at the time, was ever... Uh, ever thought I would uh, get, and that kind of solidified in my mind that I could become a developer and uh, make software for a living. I remember a few years uh, before that point, I remember seeing uh, Pixelmator report that it made its first $100,000, and I was like, $100,000, that's so much. Like, I wonder if anything I make could ever make that amount of money. Um, now, Elements never did, uh, but I didn't know that a regular software development job like that is the going salary for it. Uh, so not knowing all those pieces, I kind of fell into software development uh, kind of by accident um, in that whole process. Uh, so 
through my last few years of high school, I was just developing an app and uh, making way too much money that a 16, 17-year-old should make, uh, especially if they were not accustomed to uh, ever spending or buying things. Um, they kind of, like, I, I, I made poor choices, uh, needless to say. Uh, so uh, one choice I did make that wasn't so poor is I decided to take a year off before going to college and live in Japan, and I learned a ton through that process. Uh, and that was, uh, one of the best times growing up that I can remember, remember. Um, but I didn't really develop during that time. I was kind of, uh, learning Japanese and learning how not to, uh, get myself into trouble, uh, more than anything. So it wasn't until like I, uh, came back from Japan and I, uh, needed to go to college properly that I kind of started up again. Um, and, I it was thanks thankfully elements was still doing uh well enough that I can kind of support myself through that uh whole process. Uh so once I got into college, I remember I was had high aspirations I was going to go into uh quantum uh computing. Uh I I thought that was that was going to be the future. Uh so that's going to be what I was uh going to go into. Now that said, quantum computing involves being good at physics something I was not good at. So I I started, I went to a bunch of physics classes, did not do that well at them, uh, then realized that the finals at the end of the year uh, kind of overlapped with WWDC, which, let's be honest, was way more important to me. Uh, so I kind of had to walk away from uh, that major uh, for myself. Now, luckily, the math uh, department was uh, way more accommodating in terms of doing finals a week early, so that way I can go uh, do jobby job stuff with WWDC. Um, but it kind of uh, settled my aspirations of becoming a quantum uh, computerist uh, by the end of the decade and deal with a whole bunch of fancy technology that doesn't even exist anyways. So uh, it wasn't that much of a loss. Uh, now, Sometime through that process, I learned that linguistics was a thing. Um, and if you've never heard of it, linguistics is a fascinating study of how languages work um, and how they evolve over time. Um, and this clarified many things about the English language for me, so I would highly recommend uh, looking into linguistics a tiny bit if you've never heard of it. Um, but I also discovered I can graduate college and finish uh, much, much quicker because linguistics being not a uh, Bachelor of Science, being a Bachelor of Art was way easier uh, than the math uh, major that I was uh, currently focusing on. So I quickly pivoted, uh, got into that, uh, so that way I can finish college. Around the same time, I was also starting up uh, to doing contracting work. So I, I started doing contracting work still in high school uh, when the iPhone was a hot new thing, and I was uh, an iPhone developer uh, of a periodic table. Um, and that, of course, attracted lots of people with, oh, I have an idea for an app. Uh, so I would kind of start the process of making an app for them. Now, I was not very good at that. Uh, I was also 16, so not a lot of apps were made through that process. Uh, but I did get to know a lot of people uh, through that process, and I was incredibly fortunate to know some people that uh, would later contact me when I was in college uh, and ask if I wanted to uh, continue working on projects uh, with them. Uh, one of those uh, was um, someone I actually knew through my childhood friend, uh, and they wanted to uh, make an app at their existing company to kind of 
build up the uh, apps in the film industry so that way you can go and do things more practically uh, rather than wait for DVDs to literally get mailed to you uh, for things like dailies and stuff like that. Uh, so I was contracting making iPad apps uh, so that way they can uh, be ahead of the game and uh, use them uh, on set and things like that. Uh, but I was still in college at the time. And I remember time and time again, they always asked me, hey, do you want to um, come work full time for us? And I was like, I, I don't know. I kind of want to go back to Japan. Uh, so I don't know if I want to stay in L.A. or anything like that. Um, but just as I was finishing college, I uh, met my future wife. And uh, that kind of changed my plans for the better, obviously. Um, and although I didn't end up going to live in Japan, we did go to Japan several times, uh, after that. So I got my fill of that. Um, I also ended up getting my first full-time software position. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to no longer contracting, but to kind of work at iOS full-time. Um, and I still have that job to the day, to this day. So, um, just because... And that was not the first thing that I kind of jumped into, um, but because I also went and met a lot of people and maintained relationships uh, throughout that, I was incredibly fortunate that that kind of uh, became a thing that was available to me. Um, and I always hear about juniors nowadays uh, stressing over technical interviews uh, and uh, getting their foot in the door. Now, because I knew the people that were hiring me, I didn't go through all of that. So if you can, and this is incredibly hard, uh, but if you can, uh, make connections with others um, and uh, know people, then if they ever recommend a job to you, you have that job is yours. Uh, you don't have to be a complete um, stranger to the people that are hiring, uh, and therefore they're not really going to know who you are. But if they are the ones reaching out to you and saying they want to hire, they want to bring you on the team because they worked with you and things like that, the job is essentially uh, yours, and it's very easy to... Uh, get work that way. So if you can meet people, go to meetups, uh, go to hangouts on Zoom nowadays, um, and bring up conversations and talk about what you worked on and uh, make acquaintances, then that can that can potentially be more useful to you in the long run uh, than anything else. Now, of course, you have to like get out of your shell, in my case, uh, to go and meet people, which is easier for some and harder for others. Uh, but it is incredibly uh, worth it uh, if you can. Now, um, I've since been working at that job for quite a while. Um, my wife uh, was also uh, kind of going down a path in college that was not destined to be something that she was going to continue afterwards, uh, but she got inspired by the fact that I was making apps, uh, and she wanted to learn about development too. Uh, so throughout that process, we found uh, Lambda School, which is a online boot camp that uh, was kind of famous for you don't pay anything until you get a job through it. Um, and that's kind of uh, how, uh, how they get, how they can get students to join, um, but also don't have the pressure that you need to pay a huge amount of money to kind of uh, be uh, able to fulfill that uh, education requirement. So she started learning about iOS development through Lambda. Um, and I started uh, learning about how to teach iOS development uh, through helping her in that process um, as, as her resident uh, senior developer right, uh, right in the same room. Uh, so uh, as she went through that, I learned that uh, Lambda was 
uh, kind of looking for uh, more instructors. So I thought, hey, I might as well apply. Uh, I know someone that is taking the course. So I know about uh, how it's put together. Um, and I feel like I know, hopefully enough, that I can teach others about uh, doing software development. So uh, that kind of uh, opened a pathway for me to become an instructor uh, and to start teaching others, which is kind of like what brought me uh, here. And I would never be doing code completion with uh, Ben and Spencer and Fernando and Johnny uh, if I didn't take up that job. So um, it was uh, kind of outside of my uh, experience at the time. I've never once taught someone, but I always kind of wanted my like uh, ultimate end goal was uh, if one day I become stupidly wealthy, I can start up a school uh, and teach people uh, or not be the teacher, but uh, allow people to learn for free uh, to kind of uh, better themselves. And that's always something I kind of wanted to do. So uh, I figured what not a better way to kind of get my foot in that door by learning how to teach first, uh, you know, priorities. Uh, so I started teaching and I've been doing that for roughly a year at this point. Uh, and I love it beyond anything. Like this has always been uh, one of the things that um, uh, throughout the past year, especially, uh, I always look forward to more than anything else. Um, it's always uh, not easier, uh, but more definitely more rewarding than anything else I've been working on. Uh, uh, to be completely frank. Now, that kind of brings me uh, to the second topic I wanted to get into, and that is uh, what are my current interests as a developer? Um, so I really like working with two separate things. Uh, messing around with UIs, so building up uh, those user interfaces. I was originally very bad at it, especially if you look up uh, early versions of Elements on Google. You can probably find uh, a few screenshots it was not the best. Um, I was going all in with that shiny look that Apple was using uh, at the time, and that's kind of all I knew. Uh, but it gave me a playground to kind of iterate uh, using that very small form factor uh, and the fact that you can rotate the screen and doing fancy interactions there. Like, I didn't want the periodic table to kind of uh, rotate with the rest of the screen when you rotated your phone. I wanted it to stay in place on the screen and have each individual tile rotate, and that was incredibly difficult uh, in iPhone OS 2 and iPhone OS 3 days, uh, because the scroll view was not really meant for that. But I got it working, and I learned through that process. Um, and ultimately, I kind of loved making user interfaces much more than anything. Like, if you put a programming uh, technical question in front of me about solving really hard problems, I would probably not do well. Um, and that's probably why I never got a job at Apple, despite... Uh, interviewing for them is because whenever I got to the technical interviews, I didn't really know what I was talking about. Uh, I taught myself programming, uh, and I taught myself janky programming uh, to uh, to best describe it. I didn't really know the terminology for things. Uh, I just kind of knew, hey, if you put these things together in this way, it works. Uh, so that's something I really like doing, uh, and I don't unfortunately have uh, much of a chance nowadays to do that a lot, uh, especially in my regular jobby job. Um, but, uh, if like, if I have an opportunity to do it, I kind of double down and kind of take it to the extremes a little because I just genuinely, uh, liked working on those, uh, aspects of app development. Uh, the second thing I'm really, uh, interested in now uh, lately, uh, is Vapor and server side Swift, uh, and everything that's kind of going on in that space, uh, at the moment. So, um, 
One thing that I, I'm really kind of fascinated by is Foundation DB, which is a framework, not a framework, uh, a database um, uh, that Apple actually uh, owns. Uh, and this is what they use to build CloudKit. It's completely distributed. Uh, and they touted themselves, like when Foundation DB was initially revealed to the world, uh, that you can unplug the server and the whole cluster would be unperturbed uh, by the loss of uh, a fifth of uh, your storage capacity, for instance. Um, and that's because everything is massively replicated and kind of all self-managed. Uh, and I thought that was like really, really cool. Uh, so I kind of like building stuff with Vapor and server-side Swift and backing it by FoundationDB and kind of messing around uh, in that space um, as much as I can. Now, uh, that brings me to topic number three. Assuming I had unlimited time, what would I dive into next? So if I were to drop everything, uh, be completely... Uh, financially safe, uh, which is hard to say nowadays, but uh, one day it might be true. Uh, what would I want to work on? So uh, one thing that does pique my interest quite a bit is uh, AR uh, and metal and 3D GPU rendering uh, and all that stuff. And I, I would say it interests me because it's always been too complicated uh, for me. I never uh, really understood how to do all the math to load up uh, these geometries into the thing and have the things happen. I don't really know uh, like how all of that is put together. I tried learning it a few times and I never really got far. Uh, the most GPU programming I've done is uh, like pixel shaders, which uh, let's be honest is not really pushing the hardware to the uh, to its maximum potential. Uh, so that is something I would really like to get into. Like having uh, AR glasses would be amazing. Uh, I have to wear glasses 24-7 anyways, so, like, I am fine with having computers on my glasses, uh, A-okay with that, uh, they just have to be, uh, useful, otherwise, like, what's the point? Uh, so, um, that is definitely something I would love to get into, um, again, assuming I had the time. Now, uh, I asked my fellow, uh, co-hosts if they had any specific questions for me, uh, and Fernando had, uh, this joyful question. Uh, you can swap one feature from Swift and Objective-C. Which feature from Objective-C goes to Swift, and which does Swift give to Objective-C? Explain an iambic pentameter. So uh, I didn't pay very much attention in poetry class. I could not memorize a poem uh, if my life depended on it at the time. Um, and those classes, like language classes, were always something I actually failed in, which is completely ironic uh, considering I majored in linguistics. Um, but, uh, like I remember dictation tests, I would get negative, uh, scores on those because I got so many wrong answer, like, uh, spellings for words that it just kind of pushed me into the negative region. So not the best student over here. Um, and I don't know what I am pentameter is. I think it's some poetry thing. Uh, so I'm going to ignore that, uh, for the most part. Um, uh, but I'm also going to interpret this as a change that would make both, both languages better, not worse. So... Uh, putting a little thought into that, um, I thought uh, it would be really nice if we gave Swift Objective-C's speedy compiler, so that way when you hit build and run, you're not waiting a uh, super long time for everything to compile. Like, uh, boy, have I gotten spoil spoiled by Objective-C being uh, super fast, because when I jumped into Swift, I'm like, what is this? Why is this taking forever for something way simpler? Uh, so I would give Swift Objective-C's speedy compiler... Uh, which means that if you were to use Objective-C stuff from Swift, it'd still be speedy. So you're not really losing anything there. 
And I would uh, give Objective-C Swift's structs. So uh, structs in Swift are super fancy. Um, they behave like structs in uh, C, except that everything is kind of self-managed, super easy to declare, can have methods on them, they can uh, conform to protocols. They're all well-rounded. Uh, and giving those to Objective-C would, would mean that you can use them from Swift anyways. Uh, so Swift is not losing anything. And Objective-C gains a whole bunch of superpowers, which would get rid of all the... Uh, craziness around like core foundation where you have structs uh, that you're using but you also uh, have to use functions with everything because you can't use method calls um, so uh, I think that would that would be a good exchange between those two languages uh, and it's not an iambic pentameter I guess so uh, let's give Swift Objective-C's speedy compiler uh, uh, that's my best I have no idea what it is sorry uh, Spencer was asking uh, if you could have time to work on an old side project slash hobby project, what would it be and why? Uh, so the reason why you can't find elements on uh, the App Store today uh, is because it's no longer on the App Store. So uh, as I developed it over the years, it became more and more uh, burdened with ancient legacy code uh, to the point where it wasn't really worth it to keep uh, developing it, especially as I had other uh, engagements at the time. So around iOS 7 time, that was kind of the last time I updated Elements, uh, and it stayed that way for a very long time, uh, up until Apple said, hey, all 32-bit apps, uh, we're kind of getting rid of them from the App Store. Now, Elements was not 32-bit, but it was also old, uh, and it got cleaned up in the same uh, in the same uh, month as they were saying that they're actually uh, doubling down on that. Uh, so Elements is no longer in the App Store, sadly. Um, and I would love to kind of start working on it again, uh, assuming I had uh, a whole bunch of time to work on a side project. Um, and that's because there are many things I wanted to add to it and improve about it. So it's very much stuck in the iOS 7 era of uh, flat design, and uh, things have improved uh, somewhat since then. So I would love to kind of uh, go back to that and improve it uh, in any way I can. Uh, so those are all the topics I have uh, lined up for me today. Uh, so as always, I want to personally thank everyone for uh, listening in this week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Code Completion to know when new episodes get released. Uh, and feel free to tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Uh, most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. Uh, it's your support that really enables us to continue doing it, uh, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. So obviously, don't share this episode. Share an episode where we actually talk about something interesting. Um, uh, this one is just for the longtime listeners that uh, want to know more about us. Uh, but yeah, share share another episode. Um, so once again, my name is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buñol. That's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L uh, on Twitter. Uh, and I'll see you all next week. Bye.